0: Welcome to To The Point cybersecurity podcast. Each week, join Petko Stoyanov and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To the Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon here with my co host, Petko Stoyanov. Today, we pick back up our conversation with Maria Rote. She is founder of It May Rote Consulting and a former U.S. Deputy Federal Chief Information Officer. So, without further ado, let's get to the point.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point because I, you know, when you're setting strategy or anything like that, I often see, and I've done it myself, that says, you know, in three years, we're going to get to here. We might zigzag to get to there, right, mm-hmm. in three years. It's not a direct line. Um, and, and having that ability to think in those business terms is just so invaluable. So, yeah. you know, even as you have the technical, when you start moving into more senior management and leadership positions, you have to have that skill set, too, to be able to say, in three years, this is our plan and this is what we're going. Year one is going to be this, year two is going to be this, and year three is going to be this. And we're going to keep building and do this thing. And, you know, we might zigzag and we might have some failures along the way, but we have a target that's set. And And I think that's a great point about the technical folks who are always head down. And you know what? People like that and they want to work in that environment and they'll do that their whole lives and their career. But if you want to move out of that, you have to be able to think a little bit differently in terms of those outcomes.
0: Yeah, I wonder if some responsibility lays with industry here, Maria, because it seems like there's, you have this wonderful talent pool, right? That particularly veterans. um, And and I do keep kind of reading that people aren't pursuing bachelor's degrees as much as they were. I mean, they're looking for more hands-on type technical roles. Plus I couldn't imagine trying to pay for college right now as an undergraduate. Holy moly, holy moly. Um, You know, so, on the industry side, it seems like there's a huge opportunity to really, like, have focused programs to, to take these valuable assets that are mission-focused, right, and train them. Um, and they would be amazing employees and and contribute huge value to the industry. But the industry has to, like, open the door and and, and understand the value, right, and and start taking, not take advantage, but you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know... I- I see it time and time again where industry says, well, I want this experience. I want that experience. Well, you're not you're not going to get people with that experience that you're looking for unless you bring them in, unless you mentor them, and unless you train them. And I'm seeing, you know, I see a gap sometimes where industry says, well, I'm looking for all of the, you know, all of these qualifications, yet they're not going out on a limb to bring people in at the junior level. I have seen small businesses do that. Right, bring in um, bring in somebody who's you know they were a gym teacher for half their career. Now they're in the middle of a career. They had the aptitude, and they're actually training her on cybersecurity, um, uh, some different aspects of cybersecurity, and some DevSecOps stuff. So so she's learning, and they took a risk in in hiring her. And why can't industry do more of that? I'm seeing that more with small businesses being able to bring somebody in. Um, I know there's an economics thing to it for small businesses. You know, if somebody's got the aptitude, bring them in. Um, (laughs) You know, and and they're going to train them and they'll get the hands-on experience. But sometimes some of the bigger companies, they they need to step out on um, hiring uh, people who are not qualified or did something else in their careers and want to make a mid-career shift. So there's a lot of onus on the on industry for standing up programs to, to bring in that mentorship, that technical mentorship per se um, and bring people in at the junior level. Um, I, I know I've had tons of success bringing some people in at much junior grade levels and put them on a career track and say, if you do this, then we can promote you to this and then we can promote you to that. But taking and, and take a risk on that person that says hey you know you've done some of this experience here's what i need you interview them and you think they might be a great fit and then you work together to train that person even more and give that person more tools in their toolbox to do the job
2: maria i'll tell you i've personally hired uh, like you know interns and even junior individuals mm-hmm. for like security operations center but i'll tell you being having you know if you're an individual that's ever worked in a security operation center either in government or in a cybersecurity vendor, you're automatically in demand. Mm-hmm. And as a cybersecurity v- vendor, you know, we'll train people and literally like a year later or less, they're like, Oh, I've got a job here. And it's like double the salary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It, and it's like, well, I regardless of what I could do with your career, I can't move that quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know. You know? Yeah. And that's and that's tough. And that's a risk from your perspective, right? Um, you're gonna bring somebody in and they're gone in a year. So what's the incentive to, to keep them, you know, for longer than that. I always knew that if I hired anybody, you know, if I had them three years, great, you know, and then they moved on because they're going to make a lot more money in industry. But what I did find is they were there for the mission, right? If you tie it to the mission, they stayed and they wanted to stay a little bit longer before they went out. There's somebody I know who, um, who absolutely loved what he was doing, but, you know, a couple of kids, economics played a factor, and he went off to work for one of the big cloud providers. While he's making a lot of money, he's not having as much fun, um, and he's not seeing back to, you know, those outcomes, right? Delivering for the American public, all those kind of things. He's just, you know, he's 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 working on widgets, and, and he's, you know, doesn't have that sense of purpose and mission anymore. Um, so... Yeah. It's, it's a risk bringing in people at the junior grade level, um, you know, cause they're going to, they might make more money somewhere else, but
2: you got to look. I at would still time. do it again though. I'll tell you that right now. Even if I had them for six months, one is you identify how eager they are. And I found that I get innovation from the younger talent where they bring in fresh ideas. I hadn't, the team had not considered. So I would still do it. I you know, if it's only six months, but I, I, I just want to highlight that. I think industry does tries to a lot, but they're just moving so quickly in cyber, you know, literally, you know, you go to the coffee shop. Oh, you work in cyber. Do you want a job? Like literally it's like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the demand is so high. It feels like in certain parts of cyber.
1: Yeah. And that's, and I think that's a great point. You know, you talk about cyber and what is cybersecurity, right? When, when you tell a high school student, you could work in cybersecurity, Well, it's so wide, you know, that's a four lane highway, right? And so what is cybersecurity? You know, it's operations. It could be data. It could be forensics. It could be, you know, there are so many, it could be architecture. There's so many things in that field. I think we need to do a better job articulating, though, also as well, what cybersecurity is. Because if you take somebody who, like a good math student, right, and maybe they're a good troubleshooter, you can put them in with a security operations team, right? And, and being able to troubleshoot and, you know, do root cause analysis, you know, and an incident pops up. Well, how do you find out where that came from? Um, you know, and being able to do some of that. So it, I think talking about just the cybersecurity a little bit differently too, I'm going to go work in cybersecurity. Yeah. But what, right. What does that mean? So,
2: so Marika, I got, I got to poke here on this one. Cause I think it's interesting. I still, <laughs> maybe I'm aging myself, but I remember when it used to be it. And then, or data processing, and then became IT. And then you had IT security, which eventually became cyber. And then you had a bunch of IT people that says, no, I'm doing cyber. They, they they started, you know, they changed their titles because they wanted to add the word cyber. And I I kid you not, the other day, I saw a, an opening for a zero trust engineer.
0: <laughs>
2: Interesting. And, and I was like, what well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 are they just now dropping the word cyber and calling it zero trust?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's a, yeah. Zero trust engineer. Is it a, a network engineer? Um, you know, is that could be a network engineer, um, depending on where you so. are in your zero trust maturity level, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, zero trust could be zero trust engineer. could be a data engineer. Yeah. Uh, wow. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Cause they do uh, I saw that too. I saw that shift over time. Well, how much of your job do you do as cybersecurity? Well, if you're a network engineer, I think that's built in. Right. And it's always been there. We just didn't call it that.
0: That's hilarious. Zero trust. Just throw it in front of everything these days. Yeah. Zero
1: I
2: need a zero trust cookie this morning or a zero trust coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So I guess, you know, the other piece too, though, um, and, and keep me honest here, Maria, I feel like there are more and more programs coming online, though, for people to, you know, go get some training and kind of figure out if this is something they may want to do. And I don't know if people actually know about the the myriad programs out there. I mean, I, I, we were talking to the Johns Hopkins, Tony DeBora the other day, and they have, although it's a master's program, but we continue to hear more and more Um, like funded programs that will pay for you to learn the security, right? And and give you an apprenticeship or something like that. Um, You know, how do people find those? Or, you know, are are you seeing the same thing in an uptick in terms of what's available to folks?
1: Um, I think there's a lot out there, but I don't know that it's always communicated. And for somebody who's maybe not paying attention to what's going on out there, they need to know how to do the outreach to, even to their local colleges, even if they're not in school, their community colleges and others, the counselors, to be able to just ask the question about, you know, what internships are available, right? Because not everybody's on LinkedIn, especially if you're a junior in your career, you don't know who to follow or what to do. Um, But being a little bit more hands-on, and I think the hard part, you know, around networking, I think there needs to be more engagement at the high school level to be able to, to share information about where to go. Um, you know, I can't speak for the guidance counselors and what information they're sharing, but boy, they ought to have, you know, a big poster board of here's all the free stuff you can get and here's who's hiring and here's all the free courses and here's things you can do to start beefing up your resume. Um, that outreach, I think, to, to, you know, the high school level and others is sometimes where you start, um, yeah. you know. I know, you know, with Instagram and TikTok and all that kind of stuff, I don't know that that's the right venue for hitting some of this stuff. Sometimes you just need to hit it at the source, which is the high right. school and working through the guidance counselors and how do you get more industry people involved in getting the information out there about the free opportunities and the internships and stuff like that. In Frederick County, where I live, you know, there's a whole tech community here. Um, and But I don't know that, you know at the high school level or the more junior level that people are engaged from that perspective. You have companies that are a part of it and they bring their people along, but, but how is that networking happening and that information getting out there and sharing? I just, I think there's a ton of opportunities. It's just not always communicated well.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point.
2: Maria, I do remember though, some some vendors out there had partnered with lots of high schools across the country where by, I think it was by co- by the time you went to college, you literally had, you're certified in network administration mm-hmm. by these vendors, mm-hmm. which was, and they were providing labs and resources to the local schools so they could do some of this. Now, it was very school specific, not all high schools had this, but I, I think they tried to do that and definitely got some value out of it. I think you're right though, we didn't probably need more of a... How do we educate them earlier? Cause we want them to go to college at the same time too. We don't want them just to get the certificate and then not go to college.
1: Yeah, There's yeah. a, there's a couple of programs I had seen where they were, you know, uh, reaching out to more inner city schools um, and kids who might not have an opportunity to go to college otherwise, but they would give them hands on experience, place them at companies um, at no cost to the, I'll call them the kids, young adults at no cost to them. But not only were they learning technical at the companies, a certain percentage of their time was spent back at the organization learning how to tie a tie, how you address people, how to shine your shoes, you know, how to dress for the, the you know what I mean? Those kind of things that, that you're not always going to get in, in an office so that they are better prepared to, you know, speak and articulate, not just get the technical expertise. So I think some of those programs, I think, are hugely That's beneficial. Exactly.
0: So my question, Maria, is, but do they need a bachelor's degree? I mean, I, I think of all of these people that I've worked with in industry who were, you know, senior vice president of engineering and don't have a bachelor's degree, you know, and just had got started, you know, really, really young, working hands on, and then, you know, just worked their way up the career. And I know a lot of people like that. And it's really fascinating. And then I think we talked about this last time, you've got the CIO of, of some, whatever huge conglomerate. And, you know, and they have like, I don't know, a, a harp degree in music. You know, so it, it feels like there's a little latitude. Yeah.
1: You know what? And you're right. And you get tons and tons of hands-on experience. um, Right. If you don't go to, if you don't get your bachelor's degree, that's okay. Um, but I think at some point it is valuable to go out and get your degree because it makes you a more well-rounded person. Um, you know, I, I, again, I was on the 25 year plan and of course there were requirements around, you know, some of the sciences that I wasn't interested in. Um, but I had to take them, but you know what? I had a blast taking an astronomy class and I took a class in science of the weather. And I think, getting your degree makes you much more well-rounded, um, you know, at some point, you don't, maybe you don't need it right away, but there's a lot of value in the hands-on, but I also, I'm a proponent of getting, you know, your degree at some point, just for that, giving you that more well-rounded experience in education.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. I, I do think of all the classes where I learned something new, but I hated, I didn't want to take it. Like math is not my friend and you know, it took me a couple tries to pass, but I finally did. But I, you learned something about yourself and what right. you're capable of, too, which which was, you know, really good learning experience. Yeah, I, didn't, I was never
1: good at, like, biology and classes like that. But when I had to take a couple classes, I was like, oh, the science of the weather. I can do that. <laughs> yep. And astronomy, I can build an astrolabe and go look at the stars because I'm hands-on and very tactile. Yes, I can build an astrolabe and I know how to, okay, Cool. Yep. I love it. Yep.
0: And so something that's also been in my mind a bit lately is um and I and I know you're you do a lot of volunteer work and um, I believe it's with uh what AFSIA, the young Afsians, yep. afsians in vet sports. Um and you're doing mentorship as well. And I think that's another piece that people I think they're intimidated to ask somebody, like, would you be my mentor? And, and I would love your perspective there, you know, from, from all of your time volunteering and, and working with folks. I mean, how do, how do you suggest people go about finding a mentor and, and someone who could be a truly invaluable contribution to kind of charting their life and professional course? You
1: know, I had a, a couple of ways. So I have had from college students um, random LinkedIn requests for an interview, Right. So where the student needs to get some information about possible, you know, positions or or something. And I've actually done a few of those over the years where where uh, just a random college student reached out to yeah. me on LinkedIn and said, I'd like to do an informational interview with you. So oh, wow. there's one way. And and talking to my peers and others, um, I don't know any of them that have ever turned one down either because I've never turned mm-hmm. one down. It's 30 minutes of my time, maybe 45 minutes of my time. But again, I've talked to others of my peers and they're like, yeah, we are happy to do it, right? So so yeah, having, yeah. you know, random uh, uh, people request, you know, through LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, working with like the young FCNs, right? FC of Bethesda and others, you know, participating in speed mentoring um, and some of the annual dinners where they have roundtables and they pair up a senior executive with a someone who's younger in their career to host roundtables and it could be on cloud and it could be on security or, you know, pick something. And, and, but again, you know, that expands their network, right? Cause you have a round table of 10 executives um, and you're facilitating with one of those executives, right? So you're expanding your, your network of people and who to talk to and ACT-IAC, the American Council for Technology And the Industry Advisory Council, ACT-IAC, they have a series of leadership programs, right, from junior to mid-career, where they partner government and industry together. And again, that's expanding the network, right, learning about other people's jobs. You know, you're getting your leadership training. And I've participated both with FC of Bethesda and with ACT-IAC on on their programs and and working with um, a lot of the people who are more junior in their careers and it's not about the technical, it's not the technical piece of it. It's about sharing experiences, right? And because I've been very open in my career, not, not the technical challenge, but leadership challenges, you know, dealing with people, dealing with grievances, how did you do that? Right. And then also sharing experiences, how to celebrate the small things. Um, you know, I bring in a cake to celebrate turning off our oldest system in our portfolio, You know, being able to share those experiences and things like that, um, I think it's invaluable to people who are younger or even mid-career, sharing those experiences, not just the technical, being a mentor for them, because they're going to try and navigate through this, and they're going to say, oh, I heard from Maria, and she had a, oh, she had to deal with this people issue, or she had a good idea. Let me follow up with her and get some more detail around it. Um, um, It but by sharing those, those experiences, not just technical, but, you know, what we've learned over time is just really invaluable. Um, being able, just being able to share that. Um, and again, people with the outreach, um, you know, I've done formal and informal mentoring programs. And sometimes it's just somebody asking me, hey, um, I need some help. Will you work with me? I had a senior engineer Um, super smart, but he was going into a position where he needed um, to speak to his customers. He'd never had to do that before. He had to talk to customers and he had to brief them and he had to talk in business terms. And um, I met him once a month and we went over a topic. And oftentimes it's about asking the question and being engaged on this um, and expanding the network.
0: I love that. It's it's almost like having a trusted and, you know, a kind of like dumb question person where you don't want to ask anybody you work with, but, you know, if there's a trusted person that you respect can, can help give you guidance, it's so invaluable. Right. No such it's thing so as a dumb invaluable. question ever. <laughs> I, I've always said
1: that. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Just ask.
2: <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. That doesn't say I might not roll my eyes, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: Now, I, I know we're kind of coming up on time, but um, I just want to ask you, I mean, you know, you, you retired what last year and you started your own consulting company and you're on all these boards. I mean, are you having fun, Maria? Because I think it seems like you're having fun. Right? I,
1: I am having fun. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I'm on my third career now, right? I am working a little bit part-time doing some board work, um, doing some advisory services behind the scenes. Um, Getting to work with, um, you know, organizations like Vet Sports and working with a a local nonprofit on Mission IT up here in Frederick County. Um, Getting to do some of those things that I've never been able to do before, especially on the volunteer side of the house, because I was just too busy with my day job. So, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun Um, getting in some hiking and some traveling in between and uh, making a little money on the side, but also doing a lot of that volunteer work that I've, I've just between work and day job and kids and over the years I've just not had a lot of time to do so it's been it's been Mm -hmm. a lot of fun
0: oh that's wonderful wonderful well thank you so much for joining us again and Petco did you have any any other questions I know I've just been like fangirling over Maria (laughs) this whole conversation I just love having her back
2: (laughs) I want to know Maria what books are you reading right now
1: Oh
0: God oh, are- you know what I think you guys um, asked
1: me this question last time and I, and
2: I we asked everything know
1: and I finished reading um, the Wheel of time. I did finish and I'm actually nice. reading there's one book that's like the the prelude to that. Um, and I'm about halfway through that. So that's what I'm reading right now.
2: I think it's interesting you're reading fiction or <laughs> fantasy novels, right? And is that is that a sign you just want to – it's a way of disconnecting from reality and just focus on something different?
1: It, it, it is. And Letting, I, you know what? I love to read and I've been a reader. I'm a huge like Stephen King genre fan, uh, mm. and I got hooked into the Wheel of Time series, and I just absolutely loved it because it was the journey, not a start and end in a short book, um, and I've just not done a lot of reading for pleasure over the last several decades, and and I miss it, um, so yes, I've been doing a lot of reading and also working on some puzzles when I can. I love puzzles. Nice. Yep
0: are
2: fun. I I think it's critical that we do things for pleasure where you can disconnect from our day-to-day stuff because it allows your brain to kind of defrag, if you will, in the background. It's so
1: important. (laughs) And I just just didn't have that for so long. Um, And I I craved it and I missed it.
0: Isn't it wonderful? Well, thanks again for joining us, Maria. This has been so much fun again, 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 again. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And don't forget to subscribe and smash the button. So you get this episode in your email inbox every Tuesday. So until next time friends, be safe. Thanks for joining us for the To the Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit forcepoint.com/govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify or Stitcher.